0: due to technical difficulties
1: (laughs) yes hello to our tipsy and depraved listeners uh we are back uh we've had a slight hiccup in our recording because life happens if you're interested on what life happenings happened listen to our next episode because we describe it thanks bye the tales are depraved and spooky. The drinks they sip are boozy. Tune
0: in and you'll hear a doozy. tipsy and depraved. Take
1: me away, the greatest game. Ever. Whatever, I don't know the song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Tipsy and Depraved, a morbid history podcast where we explore some of the darkest stories humanity has to offer. Each episode will have a master of depravity who will select a specific topic or theme. Then each of us will tell a different story that matches. To make it even more fun, we also choose a cocktail to go along with the episode that you can make at home and sip along to. This week, I will be your master of depravity, and my name is Chelsea.
0: I'm Jackie.
2: And I'm Karina. We did it. We did the names. Guys. Finally. Right, <laughs> <Pardon> me. <laughs> I was I was struggling really hard to
0: remember the order. So I was like, oh, <laughs> ah, yeah. I think I'm next? I
1: realized I, I, was pointing, to, I was pointing to the screen, but I realized you guys don't know
0: what side you guys
1: are I on don't or not like really who I'm pointing to. No.
0: Oh, <laughs> we did it. We we made it. We got
1: there. Stars for us. <laughs> the theme I chose this week is hometown horrors. Um, all three of us are pretty much from pretty different places. So I thought it'd be fun to dive into where we're all from. Yeah, it's uh, good. Drink... Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I, at least I hope so. I'm excited for my story. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the drink we're enjoying this week is the Mai Tai. And you might be thinking, hometowns? Mai Tais? Did someone grow up of Grow up in somewhere tropical? And the answer is no. No one grew up tropical. <laughs> we wish we did. Yeah. This drink was actually invented by Victor J. Bergeron in 1944 at his restaurant Trader Vic's in Oakland, California.
2: why I chose it. Uh, there you go. There you go.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is about 30 minutes north from where I'm from if there's no traffic. If there's traffic, it's like... An hour and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the name is from the Tahitian word mai tai, which means good or excellence. The drink was such a hit that other tiki-themed restaurants started picking up the recipe, and the drink really came into prominence when it was featured in Elvis Presley's film Blue Hawaii. And this drink is mm. delicious. It has light rum, dark rum, lime juice, orange curacao, and orgiet syrup. Orgiet
2: syrup which is impossible to argot. find. Is it argot? Yeah, I don't really know hard. how to pronounce it. It's like an almond syrup. Yeah, milky situation. Can't find it. So oh, I have my Thai thinking. in a can. But it's still <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and I'm allergic to almonds, so mine, it, mine is almondless.
1: <sighs> so that's what the Mai thai is all about.
2: Nice.
1: So yeah. I was like, I'm going to go into the history of this. This is great. <laughs> so without further ado, I am going to hop into my hometown horror. I grew up in San Jose, California, and while researching morbid crimes, this is the first I've actually ever heard of it, and I'm really sad because I would have gone to all of the spots that are mentioned in this story, but I'll just have to do that on my next trip back. So I hope you guys all enjoy In 1933, Brooke Hart was a 22-year-old heir to the L. Hart & Son Department Store, which was at the time San Jose's equivalent to Macy's in New York. So it was a big deal. The Hart family was San Jose's most prominent family, and they were known for promoting a tentative customer service, service, which created a deep loyalty from pretty much everyone in the state because it was also a chain, but it was based out of San Jose. There are even rumors that the artists who repainted the ceiling of Cathedral Basilica of St. Joseph modeled the cherubs after the Hart children. It is very important to the story that everyone understands that this family was very beloved by a lot of people, by the community, by political figures, like people loved the Hart family. On Thursday of November 9th, 1933, Brooke Hart was fresh out of his final year at Santa Clara University. And for all my San Jose friends out there, Brookhart also attended Bellarmine College Preparatory, which is still a school. It's an all-boys school. So it was on this evening of November 9th, 1933, that Brook told his father, AJ, he would take him to a meeting of the Chamber of Commerce at the San Jose Country Club, as AJ did not know how to drive. Brook was raised to be a prominent businessman and was known for always being punctual, So when Brooke did not show up to pick up his father, the entire family was worried. A little after 8 p.m., Brooke's friend phones the family to check and see if everything was all right, as Brooke had missed an appointment with him that was supposed to be a little bit earlier. Realizing that Brooke had missed two important events that day, the family called the police. As the Hart family was so beloved, a search and rescue went into effect immediately. The police were able to deduce that Brooke had left the department store around 6 p.m., and the parking lot attendant saw Brooke leave in his car around 6.05, heading east on Santa Clara Avenue. As words quickly spread about Brooke's disappearance, a rancher in Milpitas informed the police that he saw someone matching Brooke's description standing alone next to an automobile on Evans Lane around 7 p.m. His car was found in the same spot later that night with the lights on, and there is evidence of what appeared to be a scuffle. At around 9.30 p.m., Elise Hart answered the family telephone and was informed by a, quote, soft-spoken man that Brooke had been kidnapped and more instructions would be provided later. At 10.30 p.m., Miriam Hart, Brooke's other sister, answered the phone and was informed that her brother would be returned upon payment of $40,000 and delivery instructions would be provided the next day. And $40,000 in 1933 was the equivalent of, like, $790,000 in today's Ooh,
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. So are, it was are these a lot people of money.
2: rich or something?
1: Yeah. They're, like, the equivalent to, like, the Macy's family on okay, the okay. West Coast. I must have, okay. I
2: must have missed yeah, that yeah. part. So
1: they own a whole department store, and they're, they have very loyal people who love them.
2: Okay, so they could really pay for it if they mm-hmm. had the cash on hand, but most people yeah. most people that rich don't have like cash no, assets. and it's hard to get that cash no. out
1: of a bank, like banks don't hold that much right. money no. right
2: no like, yeah, exactly
1: so the Hart family informed the San Jose Police Department and the Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office, who in turn got in got the u s Division of Investigation on the case. The U.S. Division of Investigation was basically basically the FBI in its infancy. Uh, They were able to trace the ransom calls to the Whitcomb Hotel in San Francisco. However, the police, believing that this was a ruse, began their search in the area around the Calaveras Dam in the city of Oakland. Brooke's wallet was found two days later on the guardrail of the Tanker Midway while it was docked next to the cruise ship Lurline. both ships were detained for over three hours while the police completed a search. One passenger who was detained on the Lur-lay- Lur-lay- lurline I don't know how to pronounce it, lurline I just keep was... hearing
2: Lorelei. Lorelei. Mm-hmm. Kidding,
1: <laughs> That's what I'll call it from now on. I don't think I say okay. it again, but if I do. Um... <laughs> so one passenger was none other than Babe Ruth that was detained on the ship. Oh damn! Interesting. Yeah. Uh, nothing was found, and pol- police deduced that the wallet either landed on the ship from being tossed over a bridge, or it was already in the water and was scooped up after the ship was freshly fueled up. So after it burned a little fuel, it might have just like popped back up with it. Okay. Else- elsewhere in the Bay Area, Charles Pretty Boy Floyd was active, and newspapers started blaming him for the disappearance of Brooke Hart. This led to an uneventful manhunt that was ultimately a waste of time. The Hart family chartered planes to fly over Milpitas area where Brooke's car had been found on Evans Lane. They were hoping to find like cabins in the woods or some sort of sign of life somewhere um, Again, where they can look. Again, get
2: parents.
1: Yeah, and this is all like days, like Rich parents, within days. but come on.
2: Within yeah. days. <laughs> within days. Yep.
1: I mean, they called the police within hours of his disappearance because he was last seen at 6 p.m. And they called after 8 p.m.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I would do the same because some people would call immediately and not debate it. But I digress.
1: On November 13th, a letter postmarked from Sacramento arrived in the mail at the department store. It instructed AJ to listen to the radio station KPO, where they would broadcast the ransom instructions. They also Mm -hmm. instructed AJ to drive his son's car to deliver the ransom. But remember, AJ does not know how to drive. So the same day, AJ posted a $5,000 reward for his son's safe return and the police announced that this offer was valid and they would not tap the phones of the house to prove the validity of the reward. This was, of course, a ruse and they still had the phones tapped. On November 14th, a second ransom letter arrived postmarked from San Francisco. It instructed AJ to place the ransom in a black satchel and drive to Los Angeles fed up with the demands for him to drive a large sign was placed in front of the department store that read aj does not
2: know how to drive that's awesome (laughs) yeah that's amazing
1: i was cracking up when i read that part like like this whole story kind of sucks but like that part i was like that's great
2: (laughs) yeah please stop sorry please (laughs) stop You may have my son, but just stop asking me to drive I don't drive. Like, okay. He's not part of the deal, people. Stop asking. So later that night, AJ received
1: a call demanding that Hart drive again to deliver the ransom. At this time, AJ, who's also fed up with being asked to drive, demanded proof that his son was safe and with the caller. But the caller informed him that his son was being held at a safe location. As the phone was tapped, the police traced the call to a garage in downtown San Jose. But by the time they arrived, the garage was empty. On November 16th, another call came in for AJ to drive to deliver the ransom. This time, though, the police were on it and arrived at the location of the call and were able to arrest Thomas Harold Thurmond as he was hanging up from the ransom call. After hours of questioning... Thurmond signed a confession in which he claimed to have bound Brooks' hands and feet with wire before tossing him over the San Mateo Bridge on the night of the kidnapping. Thurmond also identified John Holmes as his accomplice who had approached him with the idea some six weeks prior.
2: Holmes, Yeah,
1: like this was planned out. Yeah. Holmes, Holmes was arrested and during his questioning confirmed everything that Thurmond had already confessed to. So, according to the confessions, Thurmond waited on the corner of the parking lot next to the department store, waiting for Brooke to leave. Once Brooke was in the car and left the parking lot, Thurmond slipped into the passenger seat at a stop sign. So lock your doors, people. Um, He held Brooke at gunpoint and forced Brooke to drive to Milpitas to meet up with Holmes. The three men then got into another car and drove to the San Mateo Bridge. Once at the bridge, Thurman and Holmes demanded that Brooke get out of the car. Once out of the car, one of the men hit him twice from behind with a concrete block until he was unconscious. They then, Yeah. They then bound his arms and legs with a uh, bailing wire and tied two 22-pound concrete blocks to his feet before they dumped him over into the bay. Oh, no yeah thurman and holmes said that they could hear brooke thrashing in the water and they attempted to shoot at him but it was dark so they could not see if they were hitting him or not
2: mm-hmm. once
1: they could not hear brooke anymore they got into the car and left they dumped the extra wire and blocks a few uh, miles away which were later picked up by police following the confession so it all like pretty much confirms like where they said they dumped the extra stuff they right. found it yeah Um, Around two hours after the bridge is when they made their first call to the Hart House demanding $40,000 in ransom. That's crazy. The search for Brooke's body began immediately and including, and it included police boats, blimps, United States Marines and hydraulic pumps to dredge the mud underneath the San Mateo bridge. However, on November 25th, the search ended when two duck hunters found a badly decaying Crab eaten body less than a mile away from the bridge. Based on yeah, I know crab eaten. Yeah, like crabs were eating his body. Why? Because it was food for them.
2: I didn't know crabs were cannibals.
1: They're not because they're eating. They (laughs) they're
0: crabs. They
1: can't be cannibals. Yeah, they're eating a human, so it's
0: <laughs> not how cannibalism works. I meant no. to say the other word that means eats meat. Carnivore? Yeah,
2: they eat Yeah. yeah. That one. They eat meat <laughs> 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 well, technically, if they ate another crab, would they be a cannibal? I guess if they ate another crab. Yeah, yeah, that's how cannibalism yeah, works. You're eating the same I'm just, species. I'm just making sure because I was yeah. wrong oh, about cannibals man. in the first place. Wait, why did why did I not know crabs ate meat? I don't know. I mean, that's something for you to do
1: some soul searching about. I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: I feel, I, feel like, I feel like something is wrong, and I should have known that, but I'm horrified that it's real.
0: What did
1: you think they ate?
2: Lettuce. Lettuce. See?
1: Where do they get lettuce from?
2: The green stuff. Algae, maybe. Some
1: seaweed? seaweed?
2: Yeah, that's what I thought they ate.
1: Okay, well, they don't. it's it's so so depressing this is the most depressing part of the story for you is that crabs eat meat
0: that's what she's thinking from it (laughs) (laughs) we've lost Karina I'm I'm way more disturbed by that oh god She's officially one of us. It's
1: like in movies when, like, someone like when someone kills someone else, you're like, okay. But if someone kills an animal, you're like, how dare you? How dare you kill the dog? Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> exactly. I'll go John Wick on your
2: ass. <laughs> 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 All right. So crabs eat people. Um. <laughs> John crabs will <gradually> eat humans. <laughs> crabs will eat decaying bodies. And yes. You throw them there. First off this is over a bridge yeah so we're really close to the ocean yeah so California. how for
1: Air- yeah how the bay area works is that san francisco is like a peninsula and then there's the like vallejo peninsula and there is this body of water like that ocean into like this middle bay area and that's why it's the bay area mm-hmm. we got a bay okay yeah. So, every, like, the San Mateo Bridge connects from Oakland to San Francisco.
2: Okay.
1: Technically, I think it connects from San Mateo, like, the city, to San Francisco, but, like, same thing. So, based on bodily possessions, the family and family identification, uh, the body was confirmed to be that of Burkhart. On November 26th, Thurmond and Holmes were being held in a jailhouse in San Jose. When word began to spread that Brooke's body had been found, the public outcry for vengeance was immediate because people loved this family. Like, mm -hmm. weirdly loved. (laughs) Um, The California governor, James Rolfe, announced to shocked reporters that he refused to dispatch the National Guard to protect the jailhouse and Thurmond and Holmes. Throughout the day, citizens began gathering outside the jailhouse where they began an ominous chant of 11 o'clock. Oh, shit. They just kept chanting 11 o'clock.
0: That's... That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yes. With no context?
1: Huh?
2: No context. context?
0: Just 11 o'clock.
1: It was completely peaceful. and It was just like all these people standing around chanting 11 o'clock.
2: I think the completely peaceful, ominous chanting is scarier than like violence, yes. almost.
1: Um, so, the governor canceled plans to go out of state that night to ensure that no one called the National Guard in his absence. The sheriff's <laughs> department called, requesting backup by the guard as the crowds outside the jailhouse reached 10,000 people. Jesus. What? Yeah. Instead of help, they were instructed to not use their guns or clubs or any force to defend the jail or Thurmond and Holmes. As the night progressed and 11 p.m. grew closer, the nine officers that were in the building retreated to the second level of the jailhouse away from Thurmond and Holmes. Oh,
0: shit.
1: At around 12 a.m., the mob... So it's already past 11. Nothing happened at 11. But at 12 a.m., the mob raided a nearby construction site where they found a large pipe that they used as a battering ram. Uh,
0: with oh the no. pipe,
1: yeah, with the pipe, they were able to break into the jailhouse where they found Thurmond and Holmes. The crowd first grabbed Thurmond by the head and dragged him out of the jailhouse to St. James's Park. Oh, Thurmond was beat by the crowd as he was dragged to the park, and once there, members of the mob knotted a rope around his neck and hung him from a tree jesus oh, shit. christ Holmes, yeah holmes was hung next to thurmond immediately after and their bodies were left hanging from the tree for 45 minutes until all the crowds dispersed and the police were able to safely cut the bodies down jesus fucking what? christ
0: that's crazy yeah. what? isn't that's
1: it? crazy jury you of your peers yeah, this has some twists and turns. Like, I kept reading, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, all this shit happened. <laughs> um, Harold Fitzgerald described the scene of the men being hung in an Oakland Tribune article, and he said, A concentrated pool and the white, blood-streaked body of Brookharts' murderers swayed in grisly rhythm in the light of a rising half-moon. A roar, amingled with women's screams, rolled across the park. Afterward, the, gra- the crowd began pouring out of the park where they did serpentine dances in the streets. Snatches of songs came from here and there in the multitude. Jesus. I mean,
2: you gotta applaud the old-timey newspaper. Right. Right. Writing.
1: <laughs> the way with words. <laughs> wow. Afterwards, That's the crazy. governor of California issued an address praising what had
0: happened. What? <laughs> yeah, So fucked
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yes, these are terrible people, but imagine, imagine that happening today. It just it, it, wouldn't. Wouldn't. it just no, wouldn't. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't. Would it's not happen. Insane.
1: He said that it sent a message to uh potential evildoers and future kidnappers that California would not stand for it.
2: Wow,
1: my god, (laughs) he also promised to pardon anyone convicted of the lynching of the two men. (laughs) What, yeah, that's insane. Photos taken by press during the evening because there's a lot of press and they were all like writing their stories and like taking pictures of the mobs, intentionally blotted out faces of the mob in their publications (gasps) so people would not be able to identify who was in the crowd.
2: That's insane. Insane. All,
1: it's yeah.
2: because least these- I mean, oh, just twenty twenty <laughs> in general, and twenty 2020, twenty early twenty twenty one in general has taught us that, like, you know, eh. But <laughs> the fact that the newspapers went out of their way to blur out these pictures is just bonkers to me. Yeah. Um,
1: only seven people were arrested out of the ten thousand in attendance, but all charges were dropped. Wow. President Roosevelt publicly condemned what happened and called the lynching a collective murder during a nationwide radio address. He's not wrong. He's not
0: wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) He's he's not not wrong. wrong.
1: No. Governor Rolfe defended his actions, saying that he saved innocent citizens from being mowed down by the National Guard. Hmm. That was his, like, you know reason for not deploying them Mm -hmm. holmes's parents end up suing the governor over his role in the lynching of their son and holmes's widow sued the sheriffs who failed to protect him well yeah all suits were later (laughs) dropped however thurman's family took no action and reportedly never spoke again about what happened and pretended he never existed
0: whoa
1: Uh, wow that's cold yeah so that is the story of Brooke Hart in the 1933 lynching of Thurmond and Holmes in San Jose, California.
0: That really took a turn. Yeah, I was not expecting that. That was that was fun. That, that was a was fun be one.
2: Normal <laughs> kidnapping.
0: Yep.
2: <laughs> that was like that's awful. This poor kid. And unexpected.
0: unexpected. Woo! What a third the act. Public,
1: uh, <laughs> and it was immediate too, because Brooke went missing on like what November sixth. And then yeah. November 26th is when the lynching happened. That's quick. yeah, real
0: quick.
2: I mean, ugh. imagine <laughs> if they were not the t- people who did it, or something. Could you imagine if they were the right. wrong people? Oh man, if they hadn't confessed, oh yeah, like yeah, if they hadn't confessed
0: and they had just like rushed I mean, to arrest somebody. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. There's no
1: like. They hadn't really been indicted yet. They hadn't been right. tried or like had right. a jury or anything. They were just in the Whoa. jailhouse for like processing.
2: Yeah, like, what? Like, like wow, crazy. Yeah,
1: historians like I did look into that a bit, and historians do like they're like these guys were one hundred percent like the killers Guilty. of yeah. Brookhart, but like <laughs> some still, solace. That's part of being a citizen is you have the right to you know a jury.
2: And yeah, a trial <laughs> no matter how horrible you are, yeah, yeah,
1: how much of a shitty person you are, and it's even like so shitty. Like the fact that they killed Brooke the night that
0: they took him, and then yeah. for weeks they tried Played to extort, family. yeah, yeah, they, tried to- they got money out of the family. Like that's fucked up,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: damn, but.
2: <sighs> yeah I don't think there was a playbook at this time right like this is if this is pre-FBI there's no playbook for kidnappings like where we see not that there's a playbook but you know the FBI has like, procedures and protocols yeah. and like yeah. they that profiling yet. and all these things that they can kind of determine what kind of route that they're going with yeah. this yeah. is just Crazy. so early on this was like that. the wild west for yeah literally yeah so well, on
1: that, that note, was though, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Once we're able to, like, see people again and, like, do things, we have to go to the Angry Orchard and do our annual, like, the bed and breakfast that we always went to for brunch.
2: Yes. Yes. And do our Angry Orchard tour. Oh. Yes. I-, I was thinking that same thing during October when it was, like, hard time to go this this was our time to go to do this yeah i yeah can't wait
1: remember when i killed the deer by your house right after that
2: (laughs) it was so traumatic
1: it was. I I feel like it was like one of the first times I ever hung out with you outside of like it being like a full like after work, like just grab a beer with a bunch of other people in the city. Mm-hmm. So it's like first time hanging out with you. And if I had known you the way that I do now, I wouldn't have just like turned around and like gone in and just like curled up on your couch like, I'm traumatized. I need to be around yeah. people right now. Like. <laughs> You should have just, just called my Sister. I know I should have. Well, next time I kill a deer, I will come to your house.
2: Thanks. She didn't even get a mile away from the house. Like not even no, a No, it was mile like away. literally like right around the corner. Yeah, like she took a left turn and right. it was it And to
1: be fair, I didn't kill the deer. I didn't kill the deer. She I didn't, hit it. She not did not prepare. kill it. So I called, like, I hit the deer. It went under my car, like, bump, bump. And I pulled off to the side, and I called the police. Like, it was non-emergency, so I called the non-emergency line. I'm like, hey, I hit a deer. Like, it's still alive. You should bring a vet. Like, it needs help. (laughs) And um, the cop comes, blocks off traffic, and I open my door for my car to come out and talk to him. The cop walks up to the deer, looks at it takes out his gun, points it at the dude, shoots it in the head. He put and it I out of like,
2: misery. I was like,
1: oh my God. And I just turned around and I like, got in my car and he comes up to me and he's like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, not anymore. Like, <laughs> I just witnessed a murder. Yeah. And that's one of the things too because that's like, It was just, like, a silhouette, though, because, like, it was the cop's car lights shining, like, at him and the deer, so, like, I couldn't even really see them, except for, like, the outline of their silhouettes, and when he shot him, I just saw, like, the blood, like, splatter up. Oh,
2: no! I didn't need to know that. I did not need to know that and I called my sister and she's like it was just a
1: deer I'm like deers are practically horses like they're so big (laughs) like it's like
2: (laughs) not deers are a living thing deers are practically horses (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh trauma
1: yeah and then I of course like my family is so like morbid that for all like Christmas and birthday presents immediately after is all deer related.
2: <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's great. For more things near my house that happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that wasn't your
2: story. Was
0: me killing the deer. Right <laughs> that was around. not
2: my story. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> my story goes back to 1922 in a murder in Somerset County. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm from Jersey. So we're going to cover the murder of... It's actually pretty famous, apparently, even though I've never heard of it. It's uh, the Mills Hall murder. Double homicide murder. 1922, we find two dead bodies of the local preacher and one of their choir girls uh, found beneath a crabapple tree on Lover's Lane in... (laughs) Freeland Township. Oh no. No more crabs. <laughs> i traumatized I'm crabs. Anyway. Oh my gosh. You know what I still have on my
1: desk because I'm so lazy from the last time we recorded? The mug <laughs> My crab
2: mug. Crabs are everywhere. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway. Edward Hall, age 41 and Eleanor Reinhardt Mills age 34 had both been shot in the head and laid out side by side and he's a he's a preacher a minister with the minister's hand placed gently behind beneath the choir girl's uh like i guess shoulder neck area like kind of like how she kind of like she was holding her oh turns out Edward Hall was married to Francis Hall, an older gal and a daughter of one of New York's New New Brunswick's prominent families as we call them. So it's funny now to think of like New New Brunswick having prominent families. So just <laughs> it made me laugh. As a prominent where prominent families live? Yeah. The dead woman at his side is not his wife and she is also married to the church's sexton. I, I'm unsure of what a sexton is. I should have looked that up, but anyway, they were not married to each other. Mr. Edward and Mrs. Ellen and Miss Eleanor were not married to each other, so this caused a scandal. Uh, their bodies were actually like it said arranged with attitudes of peaceful repose. So like it that I thought was weird. Both victims though were. So super violently murdered because their autopsies autopsies autopsies
1: wait i want that to be the new word autopsies
2: their autopsies <laughs> 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 their autopsies showed that mr hall had been shot point blank with a 32 caliber pistol and it was gross the bullet is described as being entered near the right temple and came out the back of the left side of his head. So super close for it to come back out of his head. And then um, Eleanor had been shot three times in the head and the New York Times said that one of the bullets entered the woman's forehead about two inches above the nose and another plowed right through her cheek and the third through her temple. Oh, baby. Yeah. Um, the New York Times is going to be referred to a lot during this story because they apparently covered this story better than tabloids at this time. Like, the New York Times was super invested in this story. So in addition, her throat had been cut. Oh, baby. So deep that her windpipe and esophagus were completely severed and her backbone oh, no. could easily be seen.
1: Jesus. Yeah. Whoever killed her went o j. Simpson on her.
2: It's funny because one of the articles I was reading um uh, equated this to an o j. Simpson trial. yeah, but
1: whole was like her neck was pretty much decapitated ugh,
2: ugh. yeah, gross also around the bodies were love notes written to uh, between Eleanor and Edward, which the trial literally read out loud those letters. It's kind of weird. The murder trial that followed made news nationwide. So, we know we already know the the New York Times covered this, but it was big news for for quite a while. The only person who apparently witnessed this crime was named Jane Gibson. Uh she was a pig farmer who lived where near where the bodies were found, and she told detectives that she was out riding her mule that night hoping to catch thieves in the act of terrorizing her farm. <laughs> First off, she's riding a mule. They don't even go that
1: fast. Why would you ride a she's mule? Like, he can, she can walk faster and the mule can carry her. I,
2: I read in one of the articles and I'm not sure if it's true, but the mule's name was Jenny.
1: Of course it was.
2: <laughs> why are
1: so many donkeys named Jenny? Like, I want to know.
2: I don't know. Somebody tell us. Somebody tell us why mules are named Jenny. Yeah. So her testimony was a big thing for the prosecution in attempts to convict the dead preacher's widow and her siblings of the murder. She is later called the pig woman by the press, (laughs) which is an unfortunate name. And it's a name that's associated with the, the hall mills trial ever since. So the pig woman, the pig woman, just thought it was interesting.
1: <laughs> I still can't get over that she is riding a mule around her property like I'm just picturing, picturing like someone like kind of like my size sitting on a mule with like a gun looking like, for, like trying to people, find people like trying to steal her pigs like <laughs> it's just comical to me,
2: yeah, right <laughs> Well, little does she know all this news coverage of this murder and draws out tourists and her farm becomes a tourist attraction of all things. Literally there is a description that there were carnival vendors selling popcorn and peanuts <laughs> to morbidly curious people <laughs> who apparently oh there were thousands of cars a day. And within a few weeks, the crab apple tree that they had been found under, um, had been stripped of the branches and bark because people wanted souvenirs. But isn't that friggin' weird? Why? Yeah. I mean Well, that
1: actually it happened in my case too. People took the clothes off the guys who were hung and for souvenirs.
2: People are sick.
1: Yeah. I would have the morbid curiosity to maybe drive by and like see the like. What happened? But I don't think I would stop and like steal anything.
2: Yeah. What?
1: I don't. I don't want to say. I don't think. I know I wouldn't stop
2: and like steal anything. (laughs) Yeah. Like I mean, we all know like weird NJ and like we always wanted to like go visit those places to. You know, it's cool. It's interesting. Uh, Obviously, we're into this shit because we're doing a frigging podcast on it. But we're not gonna take things and bring them home with us. Also, that could be evidence.
1: And what does the, like, bark have to do with anything? Like,
2: they were just found underneath the tree. Oh, my God. So people wanted a piece of the tree that they were found under. I don't know. The murder, the murder trial began years later in 1926 in Somerville, New Jersey. And there was just some weird things that happened during this trial, namely by the By the pig woman's own mother, but they so they read the love letters between the two lovers. And Jane Gibson, unfortunately, she was going through cancer at the time, so they brought in her entire stretcher from the hospital, and she was accompanied by nurses and doctors who literally carried her into the the courtroom. And her like her there's a picture of it. Like her hospital bed is literally. In facing the jury and like the ju- I guess the judge is behind her and she she's not a reliable witness it seems because she as the trial went on it said that she like kept getting clearer on the details almost like she was reading what was going on in the tabloids and taking in what was going on in the tabloids and just regurgitating oh. it to the jury like she her her recounts would get more detailed as it went on and there was also rumors that she was just like not reliable in general but her own mother who was like in the gallery of the 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 courthouse I guess because you would I don't know every courthouse I've seen in in those times had this balcony wall so balcony seating so apparently her mother was in the balcony muttering to herself she's a liar she's a liar she's a liar and apparently oh god yeah Apparently, like, there was so much press covering it, and, like, the New York Times actually sent a stenographer to the trial to cover this trial. So somebody heard the mother, her own mother, saying she's a liar, she's a liar, she's a liar. So they end up not convicting Mrs. Hall, and her and her brothers are acquitted because they just believed... Her stoic, like she, her trial, her testimony is said to have been stoic. I don't know what, like, I I don't know what you expect from a widow, but she, she was described as stoic in her testimony, and apparently, because the pig woman Jane Gibson was not seen as a reliable source of information, her testimony was not believed, and that they were obviously acquitted. But some believe that mrs hall and her brothers got away with murder dang there's also some random like wild uh theories about like uh, eleanor's husband being part of the ku klux klan and killing them but really people believe that it was the preacher's wife and her brothers oh poor babies and that is my hometown tea that's what we're naming this
1: here you go hometown tea well jackie is gonna be our next master of depravity what's our topic gonna be
0: So Jackie's audio sucks. Yeah. So (laughs) due to technical difficulties, so here's what happened. We recorded my portion. We recorded this episode months ago. And then my audio decided to go (laughs) Fuck you. Essentially. (laughs) I'm not happening. happening. This audio is not happening. (laughs) Not happening. And then life happened which if you want to know more about that you can listen to the next episode which we just recorded which will make sense in a minute to you yeah or in like an hour to you
2: (laughs) depending on how long this episode is yes
0: we'll find out you'll find out we'll all find out we'll all find out together (laughs) Technology sucks and life happens. That's the theme.
1: The point is, is we are very intoxicated right now. We're back from a hiatus, and Jackie is about to retell a story that she told us before, but without my notes, technical difficulties, it didn't happen. So here is Jackie with her hometown horror of,
0: ta-da. So anyway. Super fast forward, we are now in August. We recorded the rest. Is it August? It's August. We recorded the rest of this episode in March. February, March. February, March. It was the beginning of the year. (laughs) We're now past the mid part of this year.
2: Um, It was still cold. It was
0: cold outside when we recorded the rest of what you just listened to. Uh, My audio didn't work. So we went to edit this episode. <laughs> my audio wasn't there. So my whole story was gone, which is just fantastic. It's fine. It's good. Good things happen. <laughs> Technology's awesome. And then it took us uh, like four or five months to start recording it because a bunch of life events happened. Which we explained yes. in the next in the episode. Next episode. So, so That's how we keep you hooked. We're keeping you hooked.
1: If you want to listen to what happened to us, go to the next episode.
0: Yeah. Stay tuned and, uh, for a couple weeks. Um, we'll and I'll, and tell, you, I'll <laughs> tell you what we're going to talk about. But anyway, so, retelling re- this story of my hometown horror. I grew up in a very very small town in Pennsylvania called Dingman's Ferry. It's not even it's not even considered to be a municipality. There's no municipal government. It's an unincorporated community. So Dingman's Ferry now, or when I was growing up, there was no main street. Uh, there was like nothing. It was woods. There were a bunch of lake communities. So those gated communities around the lake. And there was one post office, which it took us, like, 20 minutes to get to from where I lived. There was a deli. Like, there was just... It was all so spread out. There was no town when you think of a town. Like, there was nothing like that.
1: I have a question, though, for you. Because I don't think I asked this the first time we tried to report (laughs) this. What inspired your parents to set up residency in an unincorporated part of
0: PA? Um... My grandparents moved first. So my entire family lived in Brooklyn, uh, grew up in Brooklyn, entire family was based there. And then in the 70s and 80s, like New York City just got really bad in terms of crime and things like that. So there, w- there was a-, a pretty large exodus of people, kind of like what we're seeing now with corona- after coronavirus, There'd people just getting the hell out. Uh, my grandparents left first and then my parents kind of went right behind so,
1: I mean, based on your hairstyle, I think you would have been a prime sus or a uh, victim of Son of Sam. Pew pew. Probably. It's
0: fine. <laughs> Good thing I wasn't born then. Yay. <laughs> yep. But anyway, <laughs> so Dingmans Ferry was at one point, uh, before I was born, uh, was actually a town. It was a small, bustling town on the banks of the Delaware River. everything that you would think a small town would have like shops, a main street really cute but because it was on the Delaware it was very prone to flooding and a catastrophic flood happened in the middle to late 50s and as a response to that the federal government started looking at you know possible solutions to eliminate not eliminate that threat but kind of abate that threat to the, to the rest of the town. So what they started looking into was building a dam around Tox Island. So if you're not familiar with the area, what I'm talking about, Dingman's Ferry is kind of in the Delaware, Wa- what is now known as the Delaware Water Gap Recreation Area. So it's about 45 minutes to an hour north of Stroudsburg. So if you've ever gone to like Campbellback or anything like that, like go an hour north. And that's where Dingman's Ferry used to stand. But also around the border where New York, New Jersey, and PA all kind of meet. So that's kind of, if you're looking at a map, the point of Pennsylvania, that's what I'm talking about. So they were going to build a dam across Tox Island, or right around Tox Island, which was right around the Delaware Water Gap Recreation Area. That dam was going to create a 37-mile-long lake and, a ne- like, a park, like a national recreation area where there would be, like, Was lake resorts and the National Park Service was going to take care of this land and as an additional bonus it would obviously stop flooding because it would no longer be a river so the project goes through the federal government but before the project is actually approved the federal government just goes through and just starts buying out plots of land so they just start kicking they call call out eminent domain they start kicking people out of houses so as part of this project in 1962 congress established the Delaware River Basin Commission so that was the commission in congress that was going to like do this research and come up with this project they passed the flood control act in October but they never fully approved this specific project but that didn't stop the government from coming through and like buying out the land and they bought it out for a fraction of what their land was worth. And they pretty much like strong arm these people out of their property. They, a lot of the people in the area were older, didn't necessarily have the financial resources to lawyer up or to fight back. And they were kind of literally forced out of their homes. Park records show that more than 3000 homes occupied by nearly 8,000 people were raised and taken by the government. 25 summer camps, 125 farms, and more than 100 businesses, seven churches, and three schools were all demolished and abandoned. Jeez. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was a whole town. It was a whole fucking town. The towns of Bushkill and Dingman's Ferry was substantially emptied out.
1: And like the thing that pisses me off the most about this is probably you know that the government paid these people out less than they were. worth. Oh,
0: a hundred percent less than they what were what they were worth. They were yep. Yeah. This was and farmland. Like, we're like gonna... people had acres, and ge- this was generational wealth and generational property that people yeah. had. It was farmland around the base of the river. This property and people don't was know better. Right. They had no. They they either didn't know better or they knew better, but they didn't have the financial capability. To put up a fight against the fucking government, who is coming through and being like, "No, we're making this project like we're we're eminent domain, bitch! Like we're taking, we're taking it. Get out!" It pisses me me off because like
1: it's generations of people who have lived there, inherited land. Yep, and then they get paid shit and told like four. What they're worth, and then they're out of right. homes, and then all of a sudden, Pennsylvania is complaining about poverty and stuff because they can't properly pay out their like people that they so
0: displaced from. Their homes. Spoiler alert: the project never gets approved. They never build the dam. There is no lake. It's still just the Delaware River. But this took ten years, so they seize this property of like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this project. Never did it. And then they just turned this entire, like, driving time, it's like 45 minutes to an hour, a stretch of Pennsylvania into a national park. So it's the Delaware Gap National Recreation Area now. And it goes from Milford, it starts in Milford, and it runs to the Stroudsburgs. That entire area, if you drive it, which I used to drive it all the time because that's where I lived, it's you have hills and mountains on one side and the river on the other, and then there's nothing else. And there used to be towns. Like and buildings. Are there just like, and there's nothing there now. There's nothing. There's not like do they demolish a, yes, it all or there's these it. like
1: decrepit like no. places? There's
0: a couple building there's a couple random buildings. Um it's called two oh it's Route 209 if you drive down it. There's a couple random buildings here or there, but for the most part, no, it's just land. There's nothing there.
1: That's fucked up. So it's like, let me pay you out. I'm gonna demolish everything, everything your family has hold clear, like dearly to your like, yep, generation, yep. whole town, your the house that your family has built over years and years. I'm gonna demolish it, and I'm gonna no, do nothing with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, gonna turn it into a <laughs> park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's fucked. My town that essentially doesn't exist. There is no town. There is no Dingman's Ferry. There's no town yeah. called Dingman's Ferry. Like you have to go to Milford, which is the closest municipality. It's actually the like mm-hmm. county. I, it's not a capital, but it's like the main municipality in Pike County. Or you go to, like, Stroudsburg. But between... That's crazy. If you drive from Milford to East Stroudsburg... In between, there's nothing. <laughs>
1: Does your house that you grew up in still exist, yeah. or is that one of the places that was?
0: No, no. Like, this all happened in like demolished. this all happened in like the '60s. So, okay. Where the Ferry, where the town used to be, is like is literally right, uh, pretty much right on the river. It would have run like along two hundred nine, where Route two hundred nine is now. Where I grew up, it would take us. 15 20 minutes to get to route 209 so we were inland further Pretty but far. that You're deep in yeah. there but it was like the area that's considered dingman's ferry today is it's a large chunk of land and it like, and it just yeah. encompasses multiple different lake communities so there's wild acres which is where i grew up Jesus, I, there's Birchwood Lake Forest, there's Pocono Mountain, like, like, there's a bunch of, they're all called, like, Lake Forests or <laughs> something similar, Lake <laughs> Estates, like, they're, they're all surrounded, like, they're built around lakes, but they're all, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes away from each other, so there's no, like, town, you just, you drove through the woods. It would take me oh, five, man. ten minutes just to get out of my community. Like from where we live to our front gate took about five that's minutes. Insane. That's nuts. To get to the closest supermarket took a half hour. That's yeah. I yeah. that's how I grew. And living i living, now me down. living
2: in the amount of supermarkets that we oh, have in literally. Walk, within walk 10 to minutes. Wawa.
0: Like it's much far improved. Ha
1: Wawa. <laughs> I miss it.
0: <laughs> I wasn't walking to anything that's when I was nuts. a kid. Maybe it's a Lauren's house. That was that was about as far as I would go. She lived by the pool, so that's hometown horrors. So our next episode, we're going to be covering government fuckups slash mistakes, we're which I kind of segue nicely into. But yeah, so if you want to listen to how the government fucks some shit up? Tune into our next episode. We're gonna fuck it up. But until then, yeah. <laughs> well, sorry for the uh, sorry. sorry for the delay. We did originally <laughs> record this to be released in march
2: Ooh, whoopsie. Uh, whoopsie we're back follow us on we're instagram <laughs> we're coming back
1: and find out what happened to make us have this huge pause so but we're back we are back just appreciate that yeah, just it's coming we're back things are happening
2: yeah i don't even remember what drink this episode i don't know had. just drink whatever it was just drink it sure it was a mai
1: Tai. I oh, had my it was my for this tie episode. that's
2: right my, that my also, tie also
1: should and Karina have been last on this episode why are you going last I don't
2: know
0: I think so when my recording cut out I went second so my story cut out and then I just had no like input after that
2: Oh yeah she had yeah. no input even in my story so she's just super quiet I'm in my story quiet. it's because she has no audio Yeah
1: yeah, so that's that's the fact. So if you don't hear Jackie for the rest of this episode,
0: sorry.
1: Um her story cut out. We're not redoing Karina's, so yeah. uh Godspeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure this will be very entertaining. I personally can't wait to listen to this one back on Spotify. All right. Uh, enjoy it. We're on Tipsy we're at Tipsy to Pray podcast on Instagram. Check us out. Until next time.
1: Cannibals. So that's two episodes from now. It's gonna be cannibals. So next episode is <laughs> fucked up government. Episode after that, cannibals. We'll be with you next time. Bye,
0: bye, bye. bye.